0: Welcome back to the 411 Podcasting Network. I'm your host, Larry Zonka, and this is episode 50 of the 411 on Wrestling Podcast. You can follow us on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, YouTube, and of course, the 411mania.com website. Please make sure to subscribe and share the show around on social media. And if you have time, leave us a five-star review on iTunes. Joining me as usual is my co-host, Jeremy Lambert. Jeremy, how are you this morning?
1: I'm doing well, Larry. How are you?
0: I'm not bad. I uh, I took a small coma Tuesday evening and uh, missed SmackDown Live and had to do that later. And but uh, actually slept a little bit, which is rare for me, so that was
1: nice. I was About to say you never sleep, so I'm glad you actually slept. And big deal that you missed SmackDown and uh, whatever show that was.
0: Yeah, I reviewed them. I just uh, yeah, I just uh I laid down, went to take naps, had my alarm set, and apparently slept right through them. So. Oh yeah, it's uh, yeah. So I crashed out, and then of course since I crashed, I obviously didn't sleep last night because I was wide awake. So I reviewed the shows, did some other preview work, and uh, started the Super J Cup is finally fucking on demand. So I was able to start on that a little bit, and it's like it's about time.
1: That's what three weeks old now. Yeah. Eh, come on, New Japan, it's gotta be better now. And now with impact coming to access which we'll talk about uh new japan's gonna be pushed down even further i fear for new japan on access
0: yeah there's a probably a good, might be a good reason to and like I said we will talk about that later we have a we have some previews to get to we'll talk about the uh impact and access tv deal and then we will preview two of the destruction shows coming up this weekend as well as wwe clash champions a loaded weekend jeremy and that's not even counting stuff like the uh, the Impact shows that are on Twitch and Impact Plus this weekend. So there's a lot of wrestling if you're looking to watch a lot of wrestling this weekend.
1: We're not talking about those shows, are we? No. Okay, I didn't know if you're gonna pull an ROH on me and being like, oh, we're gonna preview these Impact shows. And no, like, Oh no, my no. god.
0: I know, I, I wouldn't do that to you, and I, I know we have to record so you can go to lunch with your dad, so we will... Listen, uh, it's it's my
1: birthday this weekend, too. I'm not watching all this damn wrestling. got better things to do.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> no, so uh,
0: we will uh, we will have a good time talking the wrestling as usual. Like I said, it's going to be a busy week, there will be a lot of wrestling for you guys to watch if you are up to it. So we will start off today... With the New Japan Destruction and Beppu show, which is the uh, Sunday morning early show, Eastern Time. And uh, we start off, Jerry, we have the, the Young Lions Cup Tournament continuing, starting off with uh, Carl Fredericks and uh, Yota Yotasuji. Any thoughts on this one?
1: Figure Fredericks will win. I've not watched these Road to Destruction shows, so, uh, uh, but uh, I'm doing results. I know Fredericks seems to be doing pretty well, so he'll probably um, win. Like it's gonna come down to Narita and Umino anyway. Yeah, I uh,
0: I think Fredericks does take this one. Well, he is looking really good. Uh, Shibata's boys are doing really well, man. He is. Dude is an excellent teacher, obviously. Uh, Moving on, we have Shooter Umino and Alex Coughlin from the uh, LA Dojo, and I'm I'm picking Shooter on this one.
1: Yeah, definitely.
0: Yeah. I kind of feel bad for Coughlin because, like, I I feel like I went back in time on these shows because there's no English commentary on these Road 2 shows, so it feels like back before New Japan World was around and just, like, everything was Japanese commentary. And the Japanese commentary, just because of their pronunciation, they always talk about Alex Coughlin,
1: well, he like, should change they, his name once he becomes uh, Young wine Graduated. yeah. But it's like, I, I, I
0: swear to God that they're almost like accentuating the cock in it. It's like, it's so bad. But yeah, Shooter should beat him. Coughlin has also looked good. Uh, the LA Dojo Lions period have looked good. So we move into some of our undercard tags. We have your boy Ren Narita, Uemura, and uh, Taguchi facing off with Yuji Nagata, Michael Richards from the Falle Dojo, and Clark Connors.
1: The team Nagato will win.
0: Yeah. So, and I, I'm sorry. Actually, the first, it's a uh, Narita, Uemura, Taguchi, and Nagato versus Richards, Clark, Connors, Toa Hanara, and Nakanishi. Yeah, I have a uh, team Nagato winning here. Blue Justice prevails, man. But uh, and again, uh, pretty much all the young lines have looked really good. Michael Richards is okay. I'd kind of call him the um the low man on the uh, Lions totem pole right now. And again, I think that's. It kind of goes back to what we talked about with the L.A. Lions at first, to where they weren't getting a ton of reps and working with all these vets as much as they need to, and then they got a chance like on the G1 tour and really improved. So I'm sure Richards will improve now that he's getting to work on regular tours.
1: Uh, well, he's, he's old, isn't he? He did a stint on Seinfeld, now he's a wrestler. I mean, good on him.
0: Well, there you go. So uh, you have uh, Show Yo and Jushin Liger facing off with Minoru, Suzuki Kanemaro and Doki.
1: Oh, fucking Doki! Um, we'll we'll go with the Rapongi Liger.
0: First of all, that's Mexican indie scum legend Doki to you. Um, <laughs> no, he's actually been perfectly fine in these tags. He's. He's been, you know, there's been nothing wrong with him. I mean, I, I'd rather him in these, than like in these singles matches, like in the best super junior he's better into tags. Uh, the best part, obviously, about this will be the Liger and Suzuki interactions. So, God, I still hope we're going to get that singles match soon, because I want to see those guys kick the shit out of each other.
1: It would have, like, I feel like that was the whole point of doing these, these tags is to give us the singles match at like King of Pro Wrestling, because... They did it earlier in the year and then it was dropped for no reason. Now they're picking it back up. Like, New Japan usually delivers on this stuff.
0: Yeah, they ran a really good angle on the One Road 2 show where uh, Liger was doing commentary and Suzuki's coming out during his entrance. He beat the shit out of some young lines and then he attacked Liger and ripped him out of the commentary position, beat his ass, and gave him the gotch power driver. And then, uh, uh, Tanahashi and Taguchi made the save and then they had the main event tag so yeah they're still definitely building towards it I just I hope we get it soon man I'm looking forward to it because Suzuki feels like really fresh after getting the G1 off and uh, Liger can still go when he needs to next up Robbie Eagles, Will Ospreay, Hanma, Makabe and Ibushi battling with El Phantasmo Taiji Ishimori, Yudro Takahashi Kenta and Bad Luck Falle this is building up the Kenta and Ibushi match uh, the next night, as well as the Eagles and Osprey versus um, Ishimura and Fantasmo junior tag title match also on the next night. Uh, so we have some uh, entangled storylines going on here, which is always good. And uh, dude, fanta- if you, I, I know you've been watching the row 2 stuff, but uh, Eagles and Osprey have been so fucking great. Their, their teamwork is so clean and crisp, and it's just, like, really good. So I'm really looking forward to that junior tag match, which we will be talking about in the next show. Uh, who do you think wins here, the Team Babyfaces or Bullet Club?
1: Uh, probably Bullet Club and keep Kenta limited.
0: Yeah, that's kind of my thinking, too. Uh, I, I figure Bullet Club wins because they've been taking a fair amount of losses as of late. And, uh, you know, you have Hanma on the other team, so he's perfectly expendable to take a loss. Uh, moving on, with, uh, variations on a the theme on this whole tour, we get a Sonata, Bushi, and Shingo versus Okada, Goto, and Rocky Romero match. This is obviously the continued build to Sonata versus Okada and King of Pro Wrestling, as well as Shingo and Goto, who are facing on uh, destruction in Kobe. So, L.I.J. or Chaos, Jeremy?
1: L.I.J. They always seem to win these fucking tag matches.
0: Yeah, they've been trading a bit, and I um I believe I'm going... I think they're doing the same match the next night, actually, so they're probably going to trade, so I will go Chaos Night 1. But either way, it's going to, you know... Uh, continuing with variations on a the theme, they've been running version of this the whole tour. Naito and Evil versus Jay White and Chase Owens. Uh, pretty much all of these matches are LIJ winning because Jay White's either tagging with Gato or Chase Owens, or like Eudro... Um, it's usually fine. Naito kind of takes the night off, and then they do a post-match angle to build up to their IC title match in Kobe.
1: Uh, yeah, that's what from what I've seen on the highlights. Um, when, I, when I post the results, Jay White steals the title, and Naito makes fun of him, and then he gives the title back, or maybe he still has the title. Either way, I think LIJ just keeps winning because that's what Chase Owens is there for.
0: Exactly. Yeah, Chase is there to, to work a lot with Evil and then to, you know take the fall at the end. Uh, a match that was originally a non-title match and then got turned into a title match after um, a trios match on the uh, tour. IWGP Tag Team Champions, the Gorillas of Destiny, will face off against Big Tom Ishii and Yoshihashi, Jeremy.
1: It'd be cool if Ishii won the tag titles. They need something in this tag division and a short run for Ishii and Yoshihashi makes make sense. Uh, but I figured girls of destiny retained and I don't really need Yoshihashi with the title. Do we, it'll be a good story. It probably get a pop. You know what? Fuck it. Ishii and, and Hashi win.
0: Yeah. Um, I have higher hopes for this than I normally would because for as much as Yoshihashi is just kind of the bastard clone of Okada. I mean, when he needs to, he does step up and obviously Ishii is great. And as we've talked about several times, the Grills of Destiny have had some really good matches this year. The the Briscoes and Aussie Open matches uh, immediately come to mind. So they have stepped up as of late. I'm not saying that this will be great, but I think it will be better than your Garden Variety Grills of Destiny match. And I kind of think that we may see a title change here. And they could just change him back at King of Pro Wrestling. Um You know, they can do a lot of things, but I would not mind a change-up and um, new champions at all. So I think we will get a title change. And then we move on to our main event here in Beppu. We have R.H. Jeremy, nothing but love for R.H. The Rev Pro British Heavyweight Champion Hiroshi Tanahashi facing off with Zack Sabre Jr.
1: Should be, as usual with these two, a fantastic match. Um, I'm not quite getting sick of it, but it's, it's getting a little long in the tooth. Kind of like Okada and Sonata. All right, it's always great. I'm never going to knock the match quality. But at the same time, we've seen it a lot in, in the last year. And I just want them to do something new. and. I think Zack Saber gets gets the title back. The Tanahashi win just seemed like it was something for the UK crowd. I don't know what they're doing with Tanahashi. Is the thing like we talked about before Royal Quest? We thought he was gonna kind of be like the down ace and just lose and kind of go into the G1 next year, Wrestle Kingdom, sort of down on himself. But he beats Zack Sabre, and it's like, all right, what are, what are we doing with him here? But So maybe Zack Sabre beating him here, show, I don't know if the Royal Quest was a fluke, but you could kind of play it that way. I, I think Zack Sabre gets the title back. Because if Tanahashi beats him again, then you're looking at Tanahashi in a completely different way coming out of the G1, and I, I, again, I just don't know what story they're telling with him right now.
0: Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what they do here. Um, you know, we talked about they've had great matches ever since Zach has come into New Japan. Uh, Tanahashi is now up in the series 4-3 to overall following the win at the Copper Box. So it will be interesting to see what happens uh, result-wise. I do think they will have another great match. Uh, and hopefully it's the last one for a little bit because while it's great every time out, like you said, it is getting slightly repetitive and you don't want to burn it into the ground when you can bring it back later cuz they're going to be facing again, you know, New Japan Cup or G1 next year. So you don't want to just keep running it into the ground. So I'm going to be really curious to see what happens here. I'm telling you right now if if uh Tanahashi retains and I I think he will and I am picking him. If he wins, I think there's a definite chance that Osprey loses his championship to Phantasmo, King of Pro Wrestling. And that they will build to Osprey versus Tanahashi at one of the damn shows. Calling my shot.
1: That'd be fine. At least that's that's a clear direction for Tanahashi. And now I could see it if, if that's the the way they're gonna go. And it makes the G one story kind of weird because they they really push that. Oh, this is not the Tanahashi we're used to seeing. And then. You know, he comes back and he wins. I guess it was just a down G1 for him, and, and that was it. Otherwise, he's he's still the ace.
0: Yeah, um, it, it is weird because I'm like, I think we were all expecting a different kind of story coming out of that, but it also may just be a different story that, or a story that, you know, last year he overcame the odds and everybody thought he was going to fail and then had this miraculous G1 run and won the title, and then this year is just that, It's a year later and he couldn't repeat that slash kind of a payback for him, you know, running roughshod on the field last year. So we might have been looking into it a little deeper than we needed to, but I think we did that and a lot of people did just because New Japan is usually very deliberate when they do things and there's always a very good follow up. And I'm not saying that this is a bad follow up. It's just we might have expected something different than we're going to get. So we'll see what happens, but uh, I think Tanahashi retains. It'll be interesting because, like I said, I think if he does, Ospreay losing his title might be in play, and I think they could build to that rematch at the Dome, which, you know, Osprey got that big win in the G1, and that's a hell of an addition to a Dome show.
1: Definitely, definitely. And I think we read more into it because they pushed it that way. It's not like we just made it up out of thin air. Like Kevin Kelly said a lot like oh this isn't the tanahashi we're used to so um maybe we took that further than we needed to but yeah again that's the thing with new japan is usually when they do stuff like that you can kind of read into it a little bit further and here they they're either not doing that or they're they're telling just a weird story with, with tanahashi where he wins a title even though he's not the ace anymore yeah,
0: so then we move on to the Monday show in uh, Kagoshima, which we start off again with Young Lions Cup action, and we have uh, Yuyu Yu versus Clark Connors.
1: Uh, did Clark Connors wins?
0: Yeah, uh, I think Clark Connors wins as well. I've been I started reviewing the uh, Super J Cup matches because yes, they are finally out. Everybody, all of reviews coming. Uh, Clark Connors and TJP was really good. Clark Connors definitely stepped up big in that match. Looked like he belonged in there with TJP on every level. Didn't feel like a young line at all. So it was a really, really good performance from him. And uh, we move on. Jeremy, your boy, Ren Narita versus Michael Richards.
1: Ren Narita obviously wins.
0: Ren Narita, I'm telling you, if he fixes the hair game, Jeremy, the ceiling—there there is no ceiling for him.
1: You're too caught up on the hair. Not everybody. Like Kurt Angle is one of the greatest of all times, and he never had hair. Kurt Angle I mean, started off with point.
0: a solid, gentlemanly hair game.
1: <laughs> he had hair at one point, but he turned it. He turned even better. And Steve Austin didn't have hair when he He had a Beautiful
0: bouffant when he was younger.
1: Yeah, and then what did he? When did he become the, the big star? When he shaved it?
0: He still had hair when he was in ECW, cutting awesome promos. The hair game starts the rise, Jeremy.
1: ECW doesn't count as being a big star unless you're Impact Wrestling looking to hire.
0: Don't don't talk shit about my hair game argument. Anyway, <laughs> we move into undercard tag team action. Nagata Taguchi, Shooter Umino, and Suji versus Nakanishi Tohanar, Carl Fredericks, and Alex Coglin.
1: Team Nagata wins.
0: I have Team Nagata as well. Should be a fun little undercard tag. Again, good for all the young lines to be working with some of the more established names, which they need to do. Uh, moving on, Big Tom Ishii, Yoshihashi, Yo, and Sho versus Tama Tonga, Tangaloa, Bad Luck Fale, and Chase Owens. Uh, we could be coming off of a title change here. Uh, if that is the case, I think Bullet Club wins. Yeah, it depends
1: on who wins the, the IWGP tag title match. Whoever loses that match will win this uh, multi-man tag match. That's kind of what I'm thinking as well. Uh, next up,
0: Tanahashi and friends with uh, Makabe, Hanma, and Jushin Liger versus Zack Sabre Jr., Minoru, Suzuki, uh, Kenamaru and Doki.
1: Same thing. Whoever wins the main event probably loses this one.
0: Fair enough. Uh, I am officially picking Team Tanahashi here, actually. Uh, again, back to the uh, shades, uh, variations on a the theme. Okada, Goto, and Rocky Romero versus Sonata, Shingo, and Bushi. Like I said, they're probably splitting this series. I had Chaos winning night one, so I have LIJ winning here on night two.
1: Yeah, whoever loses night one will win on night two. Yeah,
0: pretty much safe to say. Uh, again, variations on the theme. Naito and Evil versus Jay White and Yujiro Takahashi. Uh, again, should be a L.I.J. win with a post-match angle and Naito taking it easy with night off Naito in town.
1: Sounds about right. Uh,
0: and then we get back into the real shit here, Jeremy. IWGP Junior Heavyweight Tag Team Champions El Fantasma and Taiji Ishimori defending against the Birds of Prey, Will Ospreay and Robbie Eagles.
1: They had the great match at Royal Quest that not many people saw if you watched it live because of feed issues and like that match was shorter i would imagine they're going to get much more time in in this one and that can be good and bad because a a shorter match obviously means you can work a real quick sprint and and these guys are really good at that kind of style and, and pack a lot of action into a limited amount of time if you work a longer match you have to pace yourself a little bit more either way you got four really fantastic wrestlers um i mean we saw the the chemistry between Osprey and uh, Eagles just even at Royal Quest. You said it's seemingly only gotten better since then, so it's going to be a great match. I think that Bullet Club retains though, because Osprey is still the uh, IWGP Junior Champion. You could pin the loss on Robbie Eagles, or you can pin the loss on Osprey and and set up the the title match. I know I think Eagles is are. are um, Fantasmo is already getting his title match on the next uh, or King, King of Pro, Pro Wrestling, Wrestling, right? Yeah. yeah, so you could get get the win with Phantasmo uh, pinning Osprey in this tag match potentially, but I, I think Bullet Club retains.
0: Yeah, I think they retain too. Uh, yeah, like I was saying, yeah, Eagles and Osprey have been great on the road too. Stuff, so, you know, short undercard, multi man tags, but just their teamwork and stuff comes across as completely effortless. They're so good, and then uh, like I said, I've been starting to review the Super J Cup and Phantasmo um, and Robbie Eagles. Cliche heel finish aside, had a really great match. Um, just working so well together. We all know Will Ospreay is great. Ishimori is great. Um, their first match at Royal Hall or uh, Copper Box Royal Quest was great. Uh, they will get more time here in the main event spot or co-main event spot. Um, Like I said, it it could be a slight hindrance, but I I think it will allow them to expand on all the good stuff they did in that first match. Uh, I expect this one... It could be the best match on the show, uh, depending on how things shake in the main event. Really looking forward to it. A title change would be really cool, because it would give Eagles his first big New Japan Pro Wrestling accomplishment. But they are going to be doing the Junior Tag Title Tournament coming up, so I think the titles are going to stay put. Um and yeah I just I think this will be a great match highly looking forward to this one of the best matches on paper on the tour and then we move on to the main event of the evening Kota Busha defending his right to challenge for the IWGP Heavyweight Championship at Wrestle Kingdom 14 against Kenta who defeated him in the G1
1: Kota's winning I think we all agree on that extremely worried for Kenta in this match because he's coming off, whether they're going to say it's a concussion or not, he's coming off getting knocked out against Ishii. Did not look good in the second half of that match. hes It hasn't been that long. It's been, what, two weeks? Like two weeks isn't a good recovery. Usually, usually if you get knocked out in an MMA fight, you have no contact for like 60 days, 30 days minimum. And we're talking 15 days for this guy. And like his style, you know he's gonna take these shots. You know Kota, he's a striker as well. He's gonna fucking kick him and punch him and hand palm him extremely hard. I I don't know. I'm worried. It, it should be good. Kota's great. Kenta is great as long as he's conscious. Um, but this just seems like such a quick turnaround for Kenta after getting knocked out against Ishii. And I'm I'm worried about this man's health and safety.
0: Yeah, um, I think there are definite concerns with the match because, like you said, they, they worked a a hard hitting kind of pseudo kickboxing style match in the G1, and they're probably gonna do that here again. And um, you know, like they're not saying he got a concussion; they're trying to keep it quiet. Um, I'm pretty sure my man had a concussion there because he was not to fuck out. And if he didn't, I mean, he was really close to it, but he was not in good shape either way. Uh, so that is slightly concerning. I hope he is recovered. Hope he's doing okay. I hope he's careful. But uh, yeah, there are concerns because, I mean, you know, what happens if they're five minutes in and, you know, Ibushi kind of catches them just the right way. I mean, shit, people have to remember, it does not take a lot to get a concussion. Um, I, I think it was uh, R-Truth fucking concussed uh, Ted DiBiase Jr. with a slap. And a lot of people think that that sounds ridiculous, but, I mean, it's not as hard as you think if you catch someone just right. It's uh, If you've ever watched MMA, sometimes you see a guy get hit, and you're like, how did that guy get knocked out? And it's like, if you get caught on the button sometimes, that's all it takes, the right spot. So it is a little worrisome, but if Kenta is doing well, if everything works out, they have the potential to have another great match. Um, yeah, I mean, I think there's n- absolutely no danger and kenta losing here i think it would be a horribly stupid choice um because there is going to be a time where it comes time for the briefcase holder to lose and like if it would have been like if you have like a goto win or jay white would have snuck out a shitty heel win you could make the argument for that but not with the kenny win oh and that's for fucking along Same alarm that didn't fucking wake me up last night. Thank you very much, asshole.
1: (laughs) Everyone knows your ringtone or your tone now.
0: That's gone off before on the show, too, unfortunately.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I think it has, actually.
0: But, um, yes, I mean, hopefully everything works out well and hopefully we get a great match. But uh, the only thing that might hurt it besides an injury or problems with Kenta is the fact that there may not be a lot of drama in the match because I don't know if anybody's really going to buy Kenta beating him for the briefcase.
1: On the concussion thing as well is, yeah, it doesn't take a lot. And once you've had one, it, it takes even less. And uh, we don't know Kenta's concussion history, um, but he's been wrestling for a long time. I guarantee he's had at least one. And the fact that he may or may not have had one two weeks ago uh, just isn't a, a good sign. And I don't know. I like Typically, I'd be looking forward to this match, but coming off of that, I just... I care more about the, the safety of these guys than, than great matches. So I'm, I'm hesitant on, on being excited for this match.
0: It's hard not to be concerned, after, especially after that match, when you see him stumbling around trying to climb the ropes. I mean, obviously, the second half of the match, there was a lot of scary parts, too. But, I mean, the match is over, and you're like, all right, well, maybe he's okay. And then my man can't even climb the ropes, and it looks like he's just going to fall on his ass because he's so out of it. So, yeah, I, I hope he's okay. I hope he doesn't get injured any further. And, um, you know, we talked about this before the G1, Jeremy. What is going to be the, the long-term um, kind of status of Kenta here? Is he going to be able to make it? Is he going to be able to stay healthy? Is his body going to fail? And I'm not, like, writing him off and saying he should retire because he had, you know, he got knocked out. I'm just saying, I mean, there were valid concerns raised prior to the G one by a lot of us, you know, lots of people, us included. And, you know, you have to think about that here. Cause as you said, again, you know, you get knocked out or you get a concussion. It's much easier to get one another time. Uh, and hopefully that is not the case. Hopefully he will be all right. But, um, yeah, again, potentially great match, but definitely a reason to be concerned for various reasons.
1: I, I hope it goes well. Um, and we're not going to learn a lot from Kenta the night before in that tag match. Maybe we'll learn a little bit, but this will be the the big test for him.
0: He, he probably does very little in that match, I'd imagine.
1: He he should. He honestly shouldn't tag in.
0: Yeah, he, he he should he should take a page out of Naito's playbook and take a night off. So, and there's nothing wrong with that occasionally, especially on an undercard tag like that when there's like nine other guys that can carry the load. So, moving on here, Jeremy, we had uh, some big news break this week. Uh, First of all, um, WWE has changed up the Royal Rumble weekend for 2020. There will be no NXT TakeOver to go along with the Royal Rumble. Instead, WWE will will run a Worlds Collide event in its place. WWE has ran a few of these in the past, um, and they featured talents from 205 Live, NXT, NXT UK... And random main roster talents not doing anything but aired on tape delay. This one will be live. Initial thoughts on this, Jeremy?
1: I don't care about this as much as it seems like other people do. Uh, they're still running an event on Saturday. We kind of knew the takeover schedule was going to change once they move to um, USA Network because you couldn't keep pairing them with the big events. They, they want... NXT to feel like a third brand if you just run a show uh prior to every big WWE pay-per-view then you're not really feeling like a third brand you're feeling not almost like a supplemental brand not not quite a developmental but uh, like a supplemental brand so they they want to give them their own weekends I know there's talk that they're going to run every single Saturday head-to-head against AEW if that happens my god Uh, They're going to kill us on these Saturday nights. There's going to be one Saturday where it's AEW, NXT, and then like a UFC or Bellator show as well. Um, There's going to be probably plenty of those Saturday nights, actually, if that's their plan. But I think it's good that they're moving TakeOver away from the the big four shows, and we'll see if it keeps that way. I think WrestleMania... They'll probably still keep it on the Saturday night because it was like already announced. They even already announced it for for Boston last year. And granted, you know, the schedule can change up, but that was their, their plan. So I'm not reading like a ton into this just yet until kind of more information comes out. Either way, it's just... It's WWE delivering more wrestling and more content because that's what they're going to do. By the end of 2025, there's going to be something on WWE Network live every single night. And I realize that seems like a long ways away, but Triple H just did an interview where he's like, in 20 to 30 years, we're going to be Marvel and Disney where we're just content producers and not even we're not looked at as like a wrestling company anymore. We're just produce content, produce content, produce content. And they're already headed that way. And this is just another step towards that.
0: Yeah. I've seen a lot of people that are like, oh, I hate this. This is horrible. And I I don't see why because – Granted, the Worlds Collide stuff in the past, they were kind of like throwaway things. I mean, they weren't bad or anything, there were some good matches on them, but the fact is, now they're planning for this, now they're planning for this to be a live event, this is just not taped additional content for the network. This is going to be a live special, you're probably going to have NXT UK involved, along with NXT, along with 205 Live, and maybe even some main roster stuff that won't make the Rumble pay-per-view. Because you have to remember, Royal Rumble, you're only going to have, like, five matches on the Rumble main card. If that. You're going to have the two Rumble matches, which take up the majority of the show. And then you probably have two title matches and maybe something else. But there's not going to be a lot. So, on, on a Worlds Collide, you could run a six or seven match card you can run an NXT title match. You can run an NXT UK title match. You can run a cruiserweight title match, which wouldn't make it on the rumble card. You can run a women's tag title match. You can do a lot of stuff. I I don't necessarily see it as a negative because they definitely have the talent to put on the show. And if, if it's booked right and you put the right matches on, it can probably be just as good as any takeover.
1: Yeah. the, Worlds Collide—they have so much talent, and they're probably only going to gain more by the time Royal Rumble rolls around. Do these Worlds Collides cards? I-, I hope they air live instead of on some type of delay. Like those shows were were fun—the different stuff they did with like Women Collide, Battle of the Brands, Alumni versus you know current. Like that was that was fun stuff. And do do that kind of stuff on on Saturday nights, and you could honestly run something like that for. for four hours and i know that seems long but there's they have so much talent i'm I'm fine with it it's not like takeover is just disappearing off the face of the earth like they're they're still gonna have takeover shows they just might not be in conjunction with the the big four shows and they don't need to be like they they stand on their own just like with takeover 25 like it stood on its own it was great and it had no issues drawing it fucking drew in connecticut so The the NXT is going to be fine. I think this is a good step for NXT.
0: Yeah, I think it is too. And you know, like they said, they're going to revamp the takeover schedule. I've heard that they they're considering easily upwards of eight takeovers, which wouldn't surprise me. And uh, as you brought up, it would not surprise me to see them put it against AEW pay per views because, I mean, you know, to some people, they'll look at it like. I already have the network for 9.99. I can watch this show. Why am I going to pay $50 for something else? You know, they're just they're playing the game, you know. A, a concentrated a calculated concentrated hit by the World Wrestling Federation Jeremy, it's business. It's what they do.
1: But I mean, it's And that is yeah, that is the thing. Like, yeah, they ran, you know, evolve across Fighter Fest and like that that's fine. Both of those were were streaming like if they're going to run these takeovers against these big AEW pay-per-views where you're paying 40 50 bucks for a pay-per-view or you're you already have the network then you know which one are you watching live? I guess you could still just pay your money um, and, and watch that because uh, NXT will be on demand but at the same time like NXT is so like you don't want to miss those shows. So yeah, they're they're definitely playing the game and I mean you can't doubt WWE in these wars. They they have the resources to to make the the bigger mark than AEW does, and AEW might have the better show, but going up against NXT, that's not a guarantee.
0: No, certainly not a guarantee. And like you said, they WWE has so much to play with, not just in terms of money, but in that deep talent roster, which is why like I think the uh, the World's Collide style shows could be tremendously fun because. You know, NXT UK has only run two TakeOvers so far. So maybe if you're going to run like two Worlds Collide specials instead during the year, NXT takeover can, or NXT UK can run two TakeOvers and then be a part of the Worlds Collide stuff, so you're getting them more exposure. Uh, you're maybe giving 205 Live some more exposure. There's so much you can do with that. And again, if you actually build up some women on these other brands and make a viable tag team. You can throw the WWE tag team, uh, women's tag team stuff on there, you know, to mix things up and actually show that you're defending it across all brands, which now that NXT is on the USA network should really become a reality at some point.
1: The schedule is going to change even between now and January, because depending on how the Wednesday night war goes, it, WWE is going to make even more changes, so I wouldn't even be too tied to the this schedule as it is right now with Worlds Collide and, and what's going to happen. But they got a lot of options with all the talent and resources that they have.
0: Yeah, and again, it's uh, wrestling's fucking crazy in 2019, dude. It's a uh, we keep talking about it. All these names showing up. You have AEW becoming a thing. We're about to talk about some big impact news. And then, like, shit, like, the Rock and Roll Express is working the East Coast New Japan shows. What
1: I'm excited a, for that. I cannot wait. What a wait. fucking
0: time to be alive.
1: Yeah, I can't wait for that.
0: All I want is the Rock and Roll Express versus Giotto and Gato in a 10-minute Memphis-style brawl. Let Ricky Morton get some color in Philadelphia. You know, do it ECW-style. It would be great. I mean, yeah, Jado doesn't do much these days, but, I mean... That's like a bucket list probably for them because those two are such huge Memphis marks and they love tag team wrestling. I would not be surprised if they booked themselves against the Rock and Roll Express, and they fucking should because it's probably the last chance they're going to get to work them. So I am all for that.
1: They, they should book that. They should... Uh, maybe they do Gorillas of Destiny against Rock and Roll Express as well because uh, those are the... I, I don't know. If they're still the... the t- tag team champions give them a tag team title shot who gives a fuck
0: yeah really i mean shit just do something interesting i saw some people complain about the like oh if it was wwe you complain it's like not really it's like they're just bringing them in for an added pop on the east coast and it's like they've never worked in new japan it's a bucket list thing for them and like i said i think i think gato sees this as a chance for him and jada to get that tag match man and you know more power to him. that it'd be fun and again like it's not like you're bringing in the rock and roll express and they've been having bad matches. They've had good matches with the Briscoes and LAX this year alone. Yes. They're fucking old. Yes. They don't look that great, but they still tell a story and the crowd still pops for them. Yeah. So I am all, I am all in on it. Um, just, uh, like I said, give me that Memphis tag with uh, Gato and Jada. That's all I'm asking. Uh, Speaking of the wrestling world getting crazier Jeremy we move on to Impact Wrestling and for what is big and actually positive news for them for once we always talk about that the TV is solid to good but that in 2019 it needs to be better but even if it is better nobody's really watching their TV because of the pursuit thing and it's being on Twitch but the pay-per-views have been great. Voices of Wrestling broke a couple months ago that they were in negotiations with Access TV for a possible TV spot. And then that news turned into they were neg- Anthem was negotiating with Access TV to buy it. And then it was announced this week that Impact Wrestling's parent company, Anthem Media, has acquired the majority interest in Access TV. They announced Monday that they've acquired majority interest in HDNet LLC, which is the parent company of Access TV and HDNet Movies. The announcement notes that Anthem will assume operating management of the two popular channels that will cater to music, sports, entertainment, and lifestyle audiences and that the deal will also include Axis TV's extensive library of own programming including wrestling, MMA, and entertainment content like the Wacky Sammy Hagar Show. The announcement notes that AEG and Mark Cuban will continue to operate as equity partners that AEG's advertising and sponsorship sales units will work with Anthem's sales team to support the channel's In the weirdest news of this whole fucking thing, comedian and entertainer Steve Harvey has joined in as an an investor. His company will have a seat on the Anthem board of directors. Access TV and HCnet will continue to operate from their existing facilities in Denver and LA. The deal will put Anthem channels in nearly 150 million TV homes worldwide, over 110 million of them in the US and Canada. Now, we're talking about some other news along with it, but initial reaction to the news,
1: Jeremy. They're off pursuit, and that's a positive. That was my biggest initial reaction. There's still a lot of parts to be moved here as far as when they're going to be on access, what time and all that stuff and everything else. But my my biggest thing was, cool, they're off pursuit. They're on a a better network that's going to, do better because they, they partially own it. Um, my, my, biggest qualm is that they partially own it and Anthem hasn't really proven that they know what the fuck they're doing. So, uh, we'll, we'll see how that goes. And Steve Harvey's there. Get some family feud crossover.
0: Damn right. Dude. Uh, T N A did a uh, family feud back in the day with yeah. uh, all stars versus knockouts, man. So need to bring that back. Plus, Steve Harvey has like a syndicated talk show. Get some of those fuckers on there.
1: It Uh, would honestly be extremely smart to to do that. Like, Triple H... Uh, he's been all over the media lately. But he talked about The Undertaker's appearance on ESPN on College Game Day this past weekend. And he's like, you know, you got to get your guys out there. Get them visible. Get them doing these shows and talking up. Like, even if they're not talking wrestling, they're on these shows. Everyone knows who they are. And you you plug wrestling and you you, you cross over to pop culture. Like, yeah, Steve Harvey has a talk show. Bring somebody on. Bring on Tessa Blanchard. And have her just promote impact. It can't hurt.
0: Yeah, seriously. I mean, you have to do something. And hopefully that will be part of it. Again, it's too early to tell. But you would like to think that that will be part of it. Um, As with any major company acquisition slash merger, there are casualties already. Access TV has reportedly shut down their Dallas office following the purchase by Anthem. The office which handled the production for New Japan Pro Wrestling, among other things, was shut down Tuesday. Keep in mind, New Japan uh, runs on Access TV along with WoW Women's Wrestling. Cuts have come quickly following the Anthem acquisition, with uh, 40 people reportedly let go on Tuesday. Um, Access shuttered the Dallas office. And according to The rap, in addition to the office being closed, 40 and perhaps more were laid off, which includes almost half of the Dallas staff. The site reports that the news came from three individuals knowledgeable about the matter, with two saying that the number could be closer to 80 if you include the contractors, freelancers, and consultants that were also let go. Kind of a bloodletting, similar to when uh, Anthem bought the Fight Network. Uh, The cuts reportedly came within hours of the sales announcement. One source said there was no opportunity given for consultants to try to negotiate a new deal. A spokesman for Anthem told the site that Access has uh, more than 100 employees before the cuts. Uh, And while two of the sources say that there are about 20 that remain, the spokesman said he believes the number might be higher. In addition to Dallas, the termination included about a fourth of the L.A. office of Access TV and much of the team in Denver as well. Uh, They were were reportedly done because of redundancies created by the sale with positions Anthem already had, which again is part of things when you have mergers and acquisitions. Uh, The spokesman said almost all senior access access executives were retained and noted that the LA office is important access due to its music and sports teams and Denver has value due to the leadership team being based there. He also said that contractors could be hired back. Noting we're incredibly grateful. So again, this is very similar to when Anthem acquired the fight network. Tons of people were let go there. Uh, It is part of business, but it is a very shitty part of the business when this stuff happens.
1: It's a shitty part of the business and it goes to show that I don't, I don't know if Anthem knows what they're doing. Um, you know, they gutted the fight network and a lot of good people who were good at like, like Pollock and and Ting, like they were a big part of the the fight network and look how great they're doing now. They could have stayed on and and been even better for the fight network. Now we have Anthem coming in access, uh, cutting adam swift who was integral in getting roh on hdnet he got new japan on access and like was the producer for new japan and stuff like he was big part of of getting wrestling on that channel uh they they cut cindy from public relations who was very easy to deal with uh when it came to really anything like if we ever had a question about you know programming on access she was quick to respond she always sent out uh, pressers with like women of wrestling and stuff very very easy to work with like they they cut a they cut some good people and as i bumped my mic and nearly knocked it over they cut some good people and fine i understand this stuff has to happen the problem is they just did it immediately and didn't even like try to keep the best people. Like usually on these mergers, you want to kind of form an all-star team of your best people and their best people. And you know maybe you gotta let some of your people go in that case if they're not as qualified as the people from the other team. But that, like that just happens. Instead, it was just within hours. All right, everybody that's associated with Access, you're out. Like we're keeping our team here. And fine, they show loyalty. The Anthem team sucks. It, look what they have done thus far with Impact. It's been terrible at every turn. The They have no digital footprint. Like I didn't even know Impact had two shows this weekend. You can't find A- Impact on Pursuit. They, they fuck that up every week, it seems like. I, I was talking with uh, Ross Berman from from wrestle and, and a bunch of other sites, but you know MLW sends out press releases every single day. There's not a day that goes by. I guess Same, they actually yeah,
0: I, I get them all. Yeah, the time, like
1: uh. yeah, they send out press releases every single day, and we post them and we post them as standalone articles because it's very easy to do and it's very easy to find. They're in my inbox every morning. It's like all right. Typically, I just like mention it on a line, group it with some other stuff, but. It's here, it's a copy and paste, quick press release, and it's done, and it's an easy post to make. And you don't get that with Impact. I didn't know there was Impact shows this week because they don't announce anything. It's like, all right, maybe they make one post on social media. Like, their website sucks. It's very difficult to navigate. They don't really post anything on it. It's it's just not good. Like if you had the access PR team sending out press releases every single day, which they do like they can do because they do it all the time for women of wrestling, then this is what you need. And it's, uh, I don't get it. They, they want to keep their own team. I respect the loyalty at the same time, get a better team because your team sucks.
0: Yeah. Um, I really shocked at like the two names you specifically mentioned because they were extremely important to access and like, like you said, the Access is overall the PR team. I've dealt with Cindy and, like, Sean and a couple of people. And they are so great. They're all, like you said, always quick to answer. All, they always give you a straight answer. They're always sending out pressers. They're always sending out screeners. They're always sending out media for you to use. And it is like pulling fucking teeth to get anybody at Anthem to answer you when you do, like, media inquiries. And it's just, like, it's so fucking frustrating. And then, like... You know, I we were, like, inquiring about various stuff for, like, shows and podcasts and stuff. And then, like, I got an email back, like, a month later. It's like, well, maybe if you guys covered us and requested interviews, I'm like, Jesus Christ, I'm the only fucker that covers everything you do, and we did. All the time. Nobody answers us. Because you guys are not good at your job. So, yeah, very concerning in that regard. <clears throat> Now, a lot of people are obviously wondering what is going to be the future of New Japan and the women wrestling on Access TV. In theory, they should be fine because they have pre-existing deals. Um, And a lot of people seem concerned about the, you know, where, you know, production was shut down for the New Japan stuff. But you also have to remember that a lot of the production is very limited now unless it's a live show because... The reason that AXIS was doing production before is because they were overlaying the U.S. commentary. And now they're just using the straight New Japan world commentary because it already has you know, Kevin Kelly and whoever else is joining him on English. But the other thing to consider is, is New Japan going to still want to be affiliated with the network because they still have heat with quote-unquote TNA from the past over the Okada stuff and other things? They have reportedly wanted nothing to do with them. Is that going to change? Is Anthem going to use this to try to leverage New Japan into working with Impact? Which, I mean, I don't know if it would work, but at the very least they should try because the ROH thing hasn't really been... You know They've not been happy with that. I'm not saying I exactly want to see it, but if I'm Anthem and I'm trying to improve Impact in some way and I own this network now, I would at least make the effort. I don't know if it'll happen. And that's the other thing I keep reading. Oh, well this means Impact is going to work with New Japan now and the tide's going to change. Listen, listen, listen. Just because Anthem took majority control of the network and New Japan and Women of Wrestling are on the network That does not automatically mean that there is going to be any kind of crossover or collaboration between all these companies. Now, yes, it would probably be extremely great for Impact if they could parlay that into a deal. But you can't just dump the conclusions and assume that it's going to happen. There's way too many variables going on right now. There's way too many things that we know nothing about right now.
1: Thoughts, Jeremy? impact's not working with new japan or to, to flip that new japan's not working with impact impact would probably love to work with new japan because that would really increase their their visibility and give them new talent and really good talent to work with uh new japan not having that first off they they're still with their roh deal they're they're loyal they're going to honor that like if they if they wanted out of that they would have just broke it off and they'd be working with aew right now because that's a much more beneficial relationship um i i don't even know if like impact has talent new japan would would want they could use some of those guys like rich swan would would be cool in the junior division uh but like impact's biggest star is a female and new japan's not gonna use her so that's already almost a knock against things like callahan's not fucking going to new japan and doing stuff they don't want him so yeah new japan's not working with impact i hope that Things are still okay with New Japan and they stay on access. I think Voices of Wrestling said the, the deal isn't up until 2021 anyway. So it looks like regardless, they're gonna have another year and some change of, of doing something on access, but they they gutted the Dallas office, and that's where New Japan uh did their business out of. And so who knows? I don't I don't have faith in Anthem. I really don't they've given me no reason to have any type of faith in them they they had to buy a majority stake in a network just to get impact onto a, a better platform like that that doesn't s- speak good for the confidence in them, that that they had to go to those lengths to to get this show onto a, a viable network when they own the network that they were on like they could have easily increased the visibility. You put them on at a better time and you don't run commercials for the last half hour of the show. And instead they, they fucked all that up. And so they're like, well, we're just gonna buy this other company and then we're gonna release all the good people. And I it's good for impact in a sense that it'll it'll increase, you know, how many people see them because they'll be on access. I'm very worried about the stuff that the majority of fans won't see and only read online because Anthem just doesn't seem like a competent company.
0: Yeah. The, the other thing that really concerns me too, is that if new Japan ends up running a live special again on access TV at some point, that means that Anthem is going to be in control of the production then. And Sweet!
1: I'm super excited to, to watch uh, Sammy Hagar commercials instead of the Okada main event.
0: I am not thrilled about that because I, I their production is not very good. And like I reviewed the uh, season two debut episode of the Women of Wrestling show, right? And let me tell you, there's some money involved in that because that fucking production of that show, Jeremy, worlds ahead of ROH, MOW, and Impact. So clean, beautiful, and crisp. Looked fucking beautiful, and obviously being on uh, Access, it's in like luxurious HD and everything. And then you look at Impact sometimes, and it looks like it's shot on like a fucking 1998 Nokia cell phone. So yeah, not exactly thrilled about the production aspect of that. The good news is obviously Impact will be getting on a better network. Here's the question, Jeremy. What night of the week do you move them to? I'm Wednesday night. Fuck you. <laughs> we have enough shit to do. My call would be I would wait to move the show until the week after SmackDown moves to Fridays. Or the week that SmackDown moves to Fridays, and I would move to Tuesday. Better night of the week, already established for wrestling, gets you off a of fucking Friday night. You can put them in the 8 to 10 spot much better.
1: Uh, Yeah, two, Tuesday night makes sense. I mean, you're really only two options are, are Tuesday and Thursday. They used to run on Thursday, didn't they? Yeah. On Spike? Yep. Yeah. So, I mean, granted, that was a decade ago, and I don't think there's any like holdover fans of like, oh, Thursday night is Impact night. Yeah. Um, god god help you if you can associate thursday night with impact night and i don't think you want to run up against a thursday night football either exactly. um for for the rest of the season so tuesday night would would seem to to make the most sense yeah
0: i i hope they move to tuesday i think it makes the most sense plus it evens out the wrestling week more because some people were like whoa you you could put them on saturday with with new japan and women are wrestling it's like why would you want a four-hour block of TV when people are already going to be dealing with three hours of RAW on Monday, four hours of programming Wednesday night, and then you already ha- then you're going to have two hours on Friday at SmackDown? I would avoid that four-hour block like the fucking plague because I don't think people are going to want to invest four hours into another night. Just seems like a mistake. You to you don't
1: want to. Yeah, you don't want to run against or like even before or after any other company so i you don't want to run a wednesday after nxt and aew you you don't want to run friday after smackdown i don't want to run run friday
0: after smackdown
1: yeah you don't want to well you're actually going to review this show i don't think many people are gonna still pay much attention to impact i'm sorry even if they're on access you are just you're not gonna find like there's so much wrestling during the week and i know for me like i'm watching mondays wednesdays and most fridays i'd like to have a little bit of a life on friday night i'm not dedicating a thursday or a tuesday night to to impact as well i'm sorry i i got i got things to do you you're a better man than me and you're gonna review it all but uh impact ain't doing that much traffic for me to where i'm i'm gonna stick around for two hours and watch this damn show
0: Yeah, and then I think the last thing to talk about is you have these people out there that are like, Impact is saved! Everything is great now! And that's not exactly the case. Granted, it's a better TV clearance. But the other thing you have to consider is they're still missing a key element here. They're not getting TV rights fees. That is the big problem. You're still not bringing in money that you need. Granted, it's nice that you own the network, but you're missing out on that TV rights, revenue, money, You know, which is the big gravy boat right now. So everything is not perfect. It's better. It's better that you're on a better network that is not going to run fishing commercials for 35 minutes of your show and hopefully won't fuck up the DVR viewing like every week. And the schedule and all that. But it's just... It's not going to fix everything. And it's like we talked about ROH the other night, Jeremy. It's like, if it was a simple fix, I'm sure they would have done it. But it's not. It's just not a simple fix. It's going to take a long time to fix established problems, to change perceptions for a lot of companies. That's like, you know, we talked about like... Yeah, like, Raw, Raw has been better. and But people were like, well, you know, it's not great. Like, I never said it was great. It's gonna take a lot to turn that show around from the fucking quagmire it was in. But there have been improvements. But it it just doesn't happen overnight. There's not one quick fix. Again, if there was, they would've made it already.
1: <laughs> Impact has been on life support for, I feel like, a decade now. They're, they're not gonna die anytime soon. This... This deal ensures that it doesn't necessarily save them. Like they're WWE still king, AEW is now number two, and Impact and ROH are, and and New Japan is even probably number three in the United States. Impact and ROH are just they are uh, they're battling for fourth and fifth, and it's a very distance fourth and and fourth and fifth like they're not even on the radar of of WWE or aew because why why should they be it it doesn't save it saves them in that yeah they're they're not gonna die now because but i don't think this company's ever going to die like (laughs) they should have been dead 15 years ago and they're still around but it doesn't mean they're they're boosted back to a national spotlight or anything it just means they're still on life support.
0: Yeah, and people don't like hearing it because, like, oh, you're just complaining that you know, the company's gonna die. No. But the fact is if you know your fucking history of this company this company has been on life support since, like, month two. When... The pay-per-view dude lied to them about how many buys they were doing because they thought they were making way more money. They overspent and then HealthSouth bailed on them and put them in a shitty position, which led to Dixie coming in and bringing Daddy Bob in to invest in the company. And then they got deep in the hole when they had to buy time on Fox Sports and then they lost to Fox Sports and then they finally got Spike TV. And then they were slowly doing well. And then, of course, you had the Hogan Bischoff regime coming and fuck up a lot of stuff. And then just, you know, you lost Spike TV because of, you know, Dixie Carter and her fucking emails and the Vince Russo stuff. Then you went to Destination America when you lost you know, two-thirds, three-fourths of your viewership. You went to Pop TV, which wasn't much better despite being in a ton of homes. And now you're doing, like, 10% of your viewership that you were doing on Spike TV because nobody has pursuit nobody watches it when they can even find it and you're mostly on Twitch drawing 3 to 5000 people so again a lot has to be done to fix this company it's not saved it's not fixed to put it in the plainest terms they got another stay of execution they're going to keep going the show is largely good but it's 2019 there is so much content out there that being solidly the good is not fucking good enough anymore. You can't get by on that. So We we also, talk
1: about it. We talk about it all the time when we watch all these matches and shows and like there's good matches on every single show. Even WWE shows where people's like, oh, it sucks. Like, no, there's good matches on WWE events and The problem is, is you're right. Like being good just isn't good enough anymore because, all right, so there's a good match on WWE, but it's like the 20th best match of the weekend with everything else going on, even though it's a, it's a very good match. And it's the same thing with just all in wrestling. Like it doesn't matter the company, like there, there's good to great matches on all of these. And it's like, all right, that's not even like the fifth best match of this weekend because they're just so much better. Than that like like Omega and and Pac like that was a really great match and yet it was what maybe the the fifth best match of the of the weekend overall and it's like okay like that should have been so much more and, and this isn't a knock like it's still a really good match but that that's just what the bar is now like there's just so much good to great content out there that you can't just get by with just good you like you have to be great or better or you just have to have better resources and impact. I don't know how their television has been. I've given up on it. Like their, their world champion is Brock Lesnar. Apparently, um, their, their shows are good. Their pay-per-views are good, but they don't capitalize on them in any way. Nobody actually wants to be there. Like they can't keep anybody, you know, people are leaving, Tessa's gonna leave. Like, if they lose Tessa, they're really screwed. I, I think she's she's in a deal at least until next year, so so that's good. But she's out of there once her deal is up. It, NXT or AEW is gonna make her like, just a ginormous offer, and and she, I would assume she's going to take it. And it's it's a feeder company, honestly. It is. They're gonna do good stuff, but they they're a feeder company they're not looked at as being on the level of the the top two and they they won't reach that point they had their chance they failed and now they're just stuck where they're at
0: yeah and it goes back to you we keep talking about the good is not good enough thing and we talk about roh's problems the roh global wars is spectacular tour overall was a good tour but coming out of it what have you heard I mean, just nothing. You heard about the bad crowd in Chicago. You heard about Matt Taven having a disappointing main event. You you didn't hear anything great because there's just, again, there's no buzz because, yeah, it was good. But there was nothing to go out of your way to really see. There were three nights of matches. There were like 27 matches. There were exactly, in my opinion, two great matches. And, again, that's... In a, you know, like Kenny Omega and Pac, I thought that was a great match. That didn't even sniff, like, the top 20 of my match of the month list. And that's just because there's so much out there. Being good is not good enough, and that goes for everybody. This isn't just an impact or an ROH thing. It's everybody. You can't afford to be solid. You can't afford to just be good. You have to fucking deliver and make people want to invest time in your product. Because there's just too much out there these days to choose from.
1: Pretty much. I mean, whatever. We'll see what happens with the access deal. I'm I'm happy that Impact got on a better network. um, But there's still a lot of uh, kinks to be worked out, namely Anthem.
0: Yeah, and I'm concerned about a lot of that. So we will see how that shakes out. Jeremy, we're to close up uh, this, week's, uh, this episode here, and we're going to talk about WWE Clash of Champions 2019 taking place Sunday night in the Queen City of Charlotte, North Carolina. We start off with a no-disqualification match between the big dog Roman Reigns and Eric Rowan.
1: The angle has been wacky and nonsensical for the majority of it but i think the last two weeks of television have been really good with eric rowan like they're they're making this guy out to be a big deal to be a threat uh and then they're they're just gonna put roman reigns over him imagine it'd be fine especially no disqualification. they'll probably do some wild ass brawl like they did on smackdown then it'll probably be pretty good because Rowan's not bad, and, and Roman, like we know he can work, especially this kind of style, so it it, it should be fine. I'm not—again, the angle was dumb, but the, the match itself, I'm actually looking forward to it. They they really heated up Rowan in the last two weeks, and I'm excited for this match.
0: I agree with that. A lot of the angle has been bad. The last two weeks has been actually pretty good with Rowan. I like a lot of what he did. Brawl on SmackDown is the go-home angle for them was good. I do like the change to no DQ. I think Rowan's a lot better than people give him credit for. He was really good tagging with Brian, uh, and this is a big chance for him. You know he's going to work really hard to make the most of it. I think the stipulation will give them a lot of advantages. The use of smoke and mirrors and stuff, which will help. Um, I, I yeah, I, I think Roman wins. Part of it is the big thing with me is, is like they're really in they they're seemingly really invested in Drew McIntyre, and they would not put Drew over Roman. And I just, I can't see Eric Rowan being the guy to beat Roman. You know what I mean? No disrespect to him. I just, I don't think WWE values him that highly. If he does, and it's a good match, great. At least it's different and surprising.
1: Yeah, it'd be good if Rowan won, but it feels like it's leading towards, maybe Brian comes in interferes gets rowan the victory and you know, brian was the mastermind behind this all along and we'll see they got some options but i'm not believing they're putting rowan over roman until i see it
0: yeah i again i i, I don't think it'll happen but we shall excuse me see sunday night moving on cruiserweight championship of the world your champion drew gulag versus humberto carrillo versus lince dorado I was actually really excited about this match when it was just Gulak and Carrillo because they had a great built-in storyline with Gulak formally being Carrillo's mentor early on. And then it kind of came full circle and Carrillo was going to get his title shot. And then WWE kind of had to get cute about things. They booked a Carrillo versus Lince Dorado match. And then Dorado won, so he got put into the match, which I really don't think was needed other than the fact that I think Dorado's just here to take the pin. The good news is Dorado is good in tags and multi-man matches, but again, I think he's just here to eat the pin, and I think Gulak will retain.
1: Sounds about right. I haven't kept up with 205 Live. i got to binge it this week, but I don't see the point of taking the title off of Gulak just yet, especially in a, a triple threat match. So keep the belt on him. Dorado, weird addition, but if he takes the pin, then whatever. Yeah. Uh,
0: next up, IC Champion Shinsuke Nakamura versus The Miz. Jeremy, your thoughts?
1: I hope they just keep going with the Shinsuke and Sammy thing because it has some potential and it's fun. And Shinsuke, like, deserves an actual run with this belt, but. They like The Miz with the IC title and they like The Miz because they can throw him on all of these television shows and, get, and talk shows and stuff and if he's carrying around that title it makes him look more valuable and if they're going to move him to Fox he looks more valuable. I think they're going to go with The Miz not because it's the right move as far as wrestling fans go but because it's the right move as far as their, the way they look at their business.
0: I think that's a fair assessment. I think the Miz definitely has a chance to win here because they've been hyping the history of the Intercontinental title. They've been pushing him as an eight-time champion and the fact that he's one away from tying the most runs and he's about 20 days away from passing Pedro Morales in uh, total time as a champion. Title change wouldn't surprise me here, but I think that they're going to play a longer game and have Nakamura retain with the feud continuing probably with Miz having to beat Sammy at some point to earn a rematch with Nakamura. So I will go with Nakamura retaining.
1: I hope you're right. I mean, I, I would much rather it be Nakamura because I just like him more. And I think there's more to that story, especially with Sammy. I'm just thinking WWE here.
0: Next up SmackDown tag team champions, the new day versus the revival. I have personally quite enjoyed this feud. Uh, I love the whole idea of this being a sub story to the Orton versus Kofi feud and the revival basically being Orton's henchman works on many levels. Really enjoy that one. Kind of gives them something better to do than just like hanging around with Shane. Um, I, I, you know, they set it up good. They did the whole attack on uh, Xavier Woods, took him out of action. They get the tag title shot here. So I think that they've set the stage really well for a potential title switch. And I think that, you know, it's not like New Day are sort of locked into a long tag title run, I don't think. So I wouldn't be surprised to see a title change here. But I think that New Day will retain.
1: I, yeah, I think New Day most likely retains. It'd be cool if the Revival 1 and... I don't know because when the they're going to Fox and Kofi would probably be the better champion going on Fox, but again, thinking WWE, Randy Orton probably has the more visibility and they, they like him more, even though Kofi can do all the talk shows and stuff too. But they they just like Randy Orton. They like going back to those wells. Um, I'm I'm torn on this match. I think it'll be really good especially if it gets time it's tough for these two teams to have a bad match against each other as long as they they give them some time i, I will go with the new day though
0: yeah i definitely think it could be really good too because uh, woods and Big E are really great on pay-per-view usually deliver the revival is obviously a great team so i have high hopes for that one moving on u.s champion aj styles defending against cedric alexander jeremy your
1: thoughts Another match that should be really good because AJ Styles is awesome and Cedric Alexander is awesome. Cedric Alexander might be one of my favorite guys to watch right now. He's so so smooth in everything he does and just a a fun wrestler to watch. His character maybe needs a little bit of work to, to really establish who he is and they they didn't do him any favors with the whole janitor thing and then beating him and then him laughing and stuff but that's forgotten anyway uh match should be fantastic though as long as once again time is always going to be a factor with these WWE shows i know people are down on styles because he hasn't been aj styles in a little bit He's, he's getting a little bit older this will be another chance, hopefully, for him to kind of prove those people wrong because I still think he has some some gas left in the tank here, and I I think AJ ends up retaining, but it's another one I'm sort of fifty fifty on. I could Paul Heyman seems to be pretty behind Cedric Alexander, and so it's possible they put the U.S. title on on him, but I think AJ retains.
0: Yeah, by all reports, Heyman is reportedly really high on both Alexander and Ricochet as two of the younger guys he wants to focus on. I do think on paper, you just look at the guys, it definitely has the potential to be a banger, but so did the Ricochet and Styles matches, which I felt were good but a bit underwhelming, mainly because of the kind of questionable match layouts that didn't really allow um, Ricochet to thrive in his element. But if they let Alexander do his thing, they get the time like you mentioned, and AJ is up for it, it could definitely deliver and be a great match. I don't think Alexander wins here because I think this is just kind of the beginning of his rise, and uh, they will probably continue on feuding for a little bit, which I am fine with. And uh, I see Cedric doing some good things, but yeah, I have AJ Styles retaining. Moving on, the WWE Women's Tag Team Champions Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross facing off with Mandy Rose and Sonya Deville, Fire and Desire. Not really a deep build to this one. Fire and Desire won a non-title match on SmackDown, so they get the title shot here because it's Clash of Champions, the one night a year where every WWE Championship is on the line. Or some such bullshit. Um, I really like the Alexa Bliss-Nikki Cross pairing. I think they're a lot of fun. I also like the uh, Mandy and Sonya pairing. I think they have a lot of potential and have great chemistry with each other. So, um, TV match was okay, but hopefully they get a chance and they can do better here. I think that they are capable of much better. Uh, Unfortunately for Mandy and Sonya, they're kind of just challengers of the month, I think, because I don't think they're going to take the titles off of Bliss and Cross unless they actually build somebody up to it. And this feels like it has no build for a title change.
1: I don't have a problem with this match. I don't even have a problem with Mandy and Sonia winning the non-title match to earn a title shot that happens all the time. So that that's completely fine. The The SmackDown promo, so bad. So, so terrible with the ugly stuff. And... I don't even have an issue with the, you know them playing that card. I know people are like, "Oh, it's 2019, you don't need to do that." I agree, it is lazy. Um, but it's also a reality in in the world that, you know, mean girls are mean and they call other girls ugly and it's not like this wasn't done without approval from everybody, so whatever. My my issue is that the promo just sucked and that it was very lazy like the writing was lazy the the delivery was lazy everything about it was just super lazy and a their their match was good i actually thought the the cross and and mandy rose match that they had afterwards wasn't that bad and i don't think this match will be that bad i think mandy and sonia are sort of better than people may give them some credit for um but and, and alexa and nikki are good as well I don't think there's going to be a title change. I think there's more to the Cross and Alexa story that sort of needs the titles, so uh, they'll probably win. I if they're going to continue this feud, at least add a little bit of depth to it, or Mandy needs to work on her delivery skills.
0: I agree completely. Actually, it makes it makes sense. So, sticking with the women, we move on to the Raw Women's Champion Becky Lynch battling Sasha Banks. Uh In my opinion, I think Becky has had a fine but kind of flat title run because she's just had a lack of viable challengers that people can actually care about. I mean, Lacey Evans and then the Natalia thing, and the Natalia match was good and everything, but it's just like they did nothing to make me care about either one of them as challengers. I just when it was all over, I never wanted to see Lacey Evans again, and Natalia is just kind of Natalia at this point, living off of the name and People trying to tell me she's an excellent wrestler and a trailblazer and all this horseshit. So, anyway, Sasha Banks returned, freshly healed, and feels like a big star again challenging for the title here. Um, back a few years ago, these two actually had an, a, an amazing match in NXT, so they definitely have potential to deliver here as long as they get the time to tell their story. Uh, part of me thinks that you know they're going to have Becky retain here, But I kind of think that's a mistake because Sasha Banks is hot right now, and I think they should just pull the trigger, strap her up, and uh, either way, we're getting a rematch next month because WWE always likes doing these major feuds and threes.
1: I could actually see this ending in some sort of finish that fans aren't going to be happy with because they want to keep this feud going and... It seems wrong to beat either of them right now. You want to sort of stretch this without beating anybody if you can. So be prepared to be disappointed potentially in this one. I, I'm with you. Just have Sasha win because she, she's super hot right now. And Becky, through no fault of her own, she was you know forced to wrestle Lacey Evans and paired with with Seth Rollins in a thing that just never really got over and never really worked on screen. And then she had to wrestle Natalya. She's done her best with all of this, but it's tough to to care about her when you're you're giving her cold challengers every month since WrestleMania. Sasha is the first hot challenger she's really had, and I'm, I'm looking forward to this match because... We, we know they have good chemistry. We know they're both exceptional wrestlers. There's a really good story behind it as well. So should be a, a strong match. And I would just put Sasha over clean or as clean as you can, maybe do a, a pass out type deal uh, to protect Becky a little bit. Remember when Asuka tapped her out? Um, do something like that. But I, I'm preparing myself for some sort of like wacky DQ or, or, or count-out finish or, or something.
0: I think that's definitely a possibility, um, possibly leading to them maybe in a Hell in a Cell match or something, but we will see. I, again, I, I think that's actually good thinking. I can definitely see it happen. Uh, again, sticking with the Women's SmackDown Women's Champion, Bailey versus Charlotte. Go to you first.
1: Another one where... We have got some what's that? I didn't say anything. Hello? Yeah. Oh, okay. Uh another one where we've there's a real good story here. Bailey's uh sort of turn, the the turn that where she's still herself, which is kind of my my favorite sort of turn, um is played really well and Charlotte is always great as a heel and, and being the queen. Again, two girls who we we know they can go in the ring. They have good chemistry and should be a, a strong match. I would. This is what, why I would have Banks win, and I, I would keep the title on Bailey. And then you have the the two best friends, you know, being the two women's champions. And then I don't want them to bury the tag team titles, but in a in a way, just kind of mention like, yeah, the those were. Not you know Sasha already said like that's not what I wanted when and in her return promo like I didn't care about those titles or whatever so eh, everyone kind of knows they're a little bit of a joke sorry um, yeah I, I would go with Bailey and Banks as your as your two brand champions and get as much as you can out of that before you actually do a brand split uh, and, and keep it that way
0: yeah I agree I think uh, Bailey should retain here I'm gonna be interested to see if. Cause she hasn't yet. I'm gonna be interested to see if she starts altering her work a bit to reflect the heel turn a bit more. Um, I, I I I so desperately want her to come out in like all black and like slashing the fucking inflatable men with a knife and just go insane. But I will take at least a change in the ring. She needs to start doing a little something to really play into it a little more. And it's gonna be they're gonna be in Charlotte, so it'll be interesting to see if they can. uh, Because right now it's technically like a heel versus heel match. It'll be interesting to see if they can babyface Charlotte big time in this match.
1: But uh, Bailey should. I think, I think Charlotte will get a a good cheer. Um, And maybe she plays a little bit babyface, but yeah, I, I don't know. Charlotte is Charlotte. She's like. One of the best heels in the company and is certainly in the women's division.
0: And then we move on to the Raw Tag Team Championship match. Champions Seth Rollins and Braun Strowman versus Robert Roode and Dolph Ziggler. Uh, Rollins and Strowman winning the titles were a surprise and pretty much the same as Roode and Ziggler ended up challenging them uh, by winning that gauntlet because they weren't a team. Uh, the Champions have been at least kind of a fun oddball team, but it, obviously it's all been about to building this main event tonight of them fighting over the Universal title. Uh, Dolph is, just to me, he's such damaged goods, but like when he's motivated, he can go. So hopefully this tag team will actually be something good for him because I'd rather see him in a tag team than trying to challenge for the world title. Uh, I think Root is actually an excellent tag team worker. So yeah, I mean, you go back to his TNA stuff and everything, he's so good. And he was the highlight, I thought, of the gauntlet match when they won as well. Uh, I think I think we get new champions here, but it'll be interesting to see how we get there. Will it just be a, a simple miscommunication? Will Seth and Braun turn on each other? And how will that add to the dynamic of the main event? That's kind of the big questions coming out of it. So I think either way, we get new champions, Jeremy.
1: I don't know. I, I think we should get new champions, but they—I don't know. Cedric or not Cedric? Um, Ziggler and and Rude are. <sighs> They don't do much for me, even though I'd rather them just be a tag team than, than be singles guys and not doing anything. Really, Ziggler, he just does very little for me. And Rude, it doesn't seem like he's going to do anything as a singles wrestler anyway, so at least he's getting on TV. And Ziggler is just better as a tag guy. But for some reason, I they, they seem to kind of like this wacky partner Rollins and Strowman type deal. It would certainly add more heat, but then at the same time, you're gonna have to beat one of the guys who is in the main event, and you're either beating your universal champion or you're beating the guy who is challenging for the universal title, and that doesn't make a lot of sense to me. I almost feel like later on this week we're gonna get the addition of the the OC and the Viking Raiders to this match, and it, we're gonna that's how they're gonna do this title change. I, I can't see them actually beating. Braun or Seth an hour before they're set to face each other in the main event for the universal title.
0: That's actually a pretty solid idea, adding those teams so you don't have to necessarily beat Seth or Braun. It's not a horrible idea. Uh, and it, they kind of did set that up Monday and everything with the way they did the uh, the main event and the uh, loose association with uh, Ziggler and Rude and EOC and stuff, and then the Viking Raiders and everything getting involved. So, uh, not a horrible idea, and I wouldn't be surprised to see it. If that happens, you can take a good victory lap, Jeremy.
1: It will. I it definitely will. It just, I think you got to do something. You can't beat your, your main event in a tag team match an hour or two before the main event. It doesn't make any sense to me. So either they win, or they're stupid, or you, you add other people and have somebody else take a pinfall
0: Fair enough. I kind of like that thinking. It'll be interesting to see if they do that. Uh, next up is the WWE Championship match. Champion Kofi Kingston versus Randy Orton. Uh, for me, this has been a feud where I have found the build and angle way better than the in-ring so far. I thought the first match was it was far from bad, but also disappointing to me. Uh, I think that they can deliver, deliver, and I hope that they do, and I hope that they bring in a lot of the, uh, the good stuff and intensity that they've... Uh, done in the build, which I've really enjoyed. So I'm hoping for the best here. I think regardless of who wins, we're getting a rematch next month. Again, WWE really likes doing these things in three. Um, I can definitely see Randy Orton picking up the win here and uh, becoming the champion heading into Fox.
1: That's my, I don't know if it's a worry, but my thinking as well, that they, they like Randy Orton and they like going to him uh, in these spots. And with going to Fox or in, he he's a name, name from the past. I Kofi is actually better for what they want to do because Kofi is doing all these talk shows. Randy Orton ain't fucking going on these local shows to an interviews. Uh, it'd be great actually if they forced Orton to you go to like Fox 13 uh, in in Louisiana and do these shows. Like, uh, that'd be great with the way Orton uh, doesn't give a fuck anymore. But Kofi, you know, you can put him on ESPN and all these other shows and get that visibility out there. Um, I'm with you on the in-ring stuff. Kofi's run has been disappointing from from that regard. And Randy Orton, I, I had hopes that at the la- at SummerSlam, maybe he steps up, elevates because it's SummerSlam, because he's working with Kofi, because it is a, a big feud, and he's like, no, it's just gonna work Randy Orton style and more more power to the guy, honestly. Um, that's what we're gonna get here. We're gonna get Randy Orton style. Kofi's gonna do what he can, but you can only do so much in the situations. And I, I don't know if they'll end the feud here. It seems like it's good for Hell in a Cell, but you also don't want to run like every match in a Hell in a Cell. So I, I think I think Kofi actually retains. I think they keep the title on him for a little bit longer and keep the title on him going into Fox.
0: Fair enough. It's definitely that you they could definitely uh do either easily. So um, yeah, kind of interesting the result. I hope the match is a lot better because again, it's um, the feud like the the build out of the ring has been really good and I've really enjoyed it, but it's just like when they get in there and we've talked about it. You know, Randy Orton works his match, and I'm not saying again. I'm not asking for Randy Orton to do flippy doos and space flying tiger drops. I'm just asking for him to step out of his comfort zone every once in a while, which he rarely does, and hasn't for a long time, and it just kind of... can't remember the
1: last time he did.
0: Yeah, I, I can't either. So, uh, anyway, Jeremy, our main event, Universal Champion Seth Rollins, facing off with Braun Strowman. I go to you first.
1: Uh, Rollins most likely wins. I think that sucks for Braun because they're just kind of making him out to be a, a loser in these Universal title matches. Like the guy just can't win them. It should be fine. Like it, The dynamic, it'll actually be good because Braun works his style. Rollins will bump his ass off. Rollins will kind of do his comeback. Babyface versus babyface dynamic is a little tough, and I think that's my my biggest issue with, with that. But both guys will, will be over in the building, so the match will probably be good. Uh, yeah, Rollins wins. I'm more interested in if The Fiend is going to attack post-match or even like during the match and then we we just get a, a fuck finish or a non-finish because that that way you're kind of protecting both guys and the placement um we think this is going to be the main event and most indications are that it is the hottest feud is either one of the women's two matches you could honestly headline with bailey and charlotte or sasha and becky and it would be a hotter main event than than rollins and And Strowman, but Rollins and Strowman will will most likely main event. I'm more interested in the post-match, though, or the, the end of the match with The Fiend, because beating Braun doesn't seem smart, but he's also a guy that doesn't need the title. And I don't think you want to take the title off of Rollins this quickly. Like, he kind of jobbed out his, his first run after WrestleMania by putting him in a match with Corbin and then the Money in the Bank deal. Like, you don't want to cut off his second run in, in the same manner in a month by having him beat or by having him lose the Braun.
0: Yeah, it's, you know, it's a risky match to book overall because. Braun can be a lot of fun, but he hasn't exactly delivered in big-time singles pay-per-view matches. Plus, if he loses here, you're just Lex Lugering him in regards to the Universal title. It's like, he could deliver here, and he should have a chance to deliver working with Seth, because as you mentioned, Seth will bump his ass off for him. And Seth will work hard, and I see him retaining uh, either you know he either wins or you know the fiend gets involved in some kind of non-finish and yeah that sets up the hell in a cell match and to me though that brings a whole other set of issues which we will dive into when we preview that match
1: next month if we preview it we don't know this is happening like it was advertised by the arena but card subject is to change and i mean Bray has hinted he hinted, he talked about it on the the fun house uh, with the the crate segment with shoving money down Vince McMahon's throat but you know he's hinted at going after The Undertaker and Steve Austin and look where that led the past two nights so w- we don't know for sure that this is happening they're they're certainly teasing it and, and getting fans to think about it but there's no guarantee The Fiend actually shows up uh at the end of this match.
0: Who are you to doubt The Fiend,
1: Jeremy? Look, I don't doubt The Fiend. He'll show up in my house right now. But I doubt WWE and what the hell they they do on a day-to-day basis because everything changes within, like not even day-to-day, everything changes within like hours of this company. So they might be teasing something. It doesn't mean they're actually going to deliver on something like this.
0: Fair enough. I I cannot uh, dispute that fact. So that will wrap us up for now. We'll be back Sunday night after Clash of Champions. Uh, I'd like to thank Jeremy as always. Remember, You're
1: making me record a podcast on my birthday? That's fucked up. going to be yeah. drunk.
0: Well, should make for entertaining radio.
1: <laughs> so,
0: But uh, no, thank you a lot, dude. Uh, we'll talk Sunday night. And this is the 411 on Wrestling Podcast. Remember, you can follow us on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, YouTube, and of course, the 411mania.com website. Please make sure to subscribe to the show, share us around on social media, and if you have time, please leave us a five-star review on iTunes. Until next time, have a great week.